folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism in order to find common ground that brings us together. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. And today we're going to try out something a little new. You know, a while back we said we wanted to experiment with different show formats. Some of you loved the music episode. Some of you didn't. Some of you liked the Journey into Mystery episode. Some of you didn't. Uh, But we're going to try another one today. So today... We're going to gather around the campfire and have story time. That's right. <laughs> but uh, we're actually, we're using these stories to kind of to kind of explore an issue that we've, we've touched on, we've referenced, but we've never really like delved into. And that is what we uh, believe in regards to a, a higher power or whatever. That's no, right. Like, I, I think we've both said on the show that like we're not atheists. Right. Um, I have said that I'm not religious at the Mm -hmm. same time. So where is that middle ground for us? And more importantly, why? Why are we there? Yeah. And I I think that's something that, you know, everybody wrestles with at some point, you know, whether, whether you're like me and you're growing up in the church and stuff and you have to come to terms with, with what you're seeing around you or whether you're somebody who's never been in the church, but you still get, you know, exposed to, to, you know, things that make you scratch your head at some point, it's a question that each person has to decide for themselves. So like, what criteria do you use? Cause if we're talking about, you know, something spiritual and unseen empirical evidence, isn't always going to cut it. Right. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I mean, where do you go? A lot of times we're talking about miracles, right? I mean, statues of the crying Virgin Mary or, or the, the, the outline on the toast or even the dog's butt. That looks yeah. exactly like Virgin Mary, well, which I mean, for I've, some people that qualifies. I've absolutely seen Jesus in a Dorito. Saw it online. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, man, like jokes aside, what does it take, or at least what did it take, you know, for you and I to to not be atheists and they at least, you know, I, I don't know exactly what we are. I was thinking about it all week while we were <laughs> thinking about this show. I was like, are you agnostic? Well, no, you're not agnostic. You're more sure than that. But you're sure of what? I'm I'm not sure. But I do know that I'm not an atheist. I can state it. For me, I can state it pretty clearly. Um, I believe in a higher power that's more powerful than many of the powers I've, you know, I personally engage with on a daily basis. How powerful it is, whether it's all powerful, whether God could create a rock that he himself could not lift, eh, (laughs) you know. I don't know, but I don't think it's that important because in my personal experience, I've interacted with entities or an entity that I believe um, has shown me significant amounts of power that are outside the realms of normal human behavior and normal human comprehension. So I think today uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to tell stories um, yeah, about well, some of those things. Because I think what you're talking about there, I mean, that's that's kind of... In some form of an, or another, that's sort of what everybody's looking for, right? Like a sign, a miracle, uh, something exceptional, or that's something that starts you down that path. But the question becomes, what does it take to achieve a miracle? Do you have to be, you know, Pope John Paul II, I think, uh, cured a woman of Parkinson's <laughs> yeah, or something yeah, like that? a neurological disease. Yeah, yeah. And just, then it came back three years yeah, later, Yeah, I think right? it did come back. Okay. Uh, do you have to be, you know, Joan of Arc? Whatever she did, I, I actually have no idea <laughs> if what if Jonah Ark is beatified. I think I don't know, but man. Anyway, you got to watch the the, the walls anyway. of Jericho fall, you know, before the, <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant. I, I well, don't know. I think sometimes we see things just in you know everyday life that are that are 
pretty exceptional. And the question is, do they meet, you know, the definition to you personally of a miracle? So for instance, story number one, uh, I remember you and I, we were, I would have to be 17, 18 years old. Sure. And we were hanging out at a buddy's house one night and I had a class ring that I had bought with my own money and spent way too much money on something <laughs> that I don't know where it is now. <laughs> like four, <laughs> 400, 500 from working at a grocery. Yeah. Yeah. Away at yeah, a grocery yeah. Store. It was, it was, it was pretty expensive, but unfortunately, just like with my cap and gown and everything else, the day that we did all the sizes and stuff for that in school was the day I decided, Hey, it'd be a good idea to trip acid and go to school. So, uh, yeah, it turns out at my graduation, I'm swimming in my cap and gown. Like it's so You're like, big, I need three XL. Like, yeah. Like if what the, if I eat nine more sandwiches between now and then, if the wind would have caught my gown, I would have just flew away like the flying nun, man, I would have been gone. But anyway, so my ring, it only really fit, uh, in, in the summer. When, when my finger was like nice and fat, the heat was making it expand. Well, the ring would fit then. In the winter, when my finger got cold and kind of contracted, some bitch was sliding everywhere, right? So one night, uh, we were probably, you know, doing something real wholesome, like watching the Waltons or something. I'm sure we, <laughs> we weren't up to no good, but a bunch Surely of us... Surely we weren't drinking or smoking. A or- bunch of us teenage boys... Uh, decided to walk from one friend's house to another friend's house. And I'd say, you know, it was maybe a mile. Maybe yeah, a maybe less. a mile. Uh, well, it was in the middle of a huge snowstorm, right? So there's, I'd say, four inches of snow on the ground. We're walking over Easy. to the other guy's house. We get over there, and I just casually reach down, and I realize my ring is gone. I was like, damn. So I, I trace my way. Like, I think everybody else stayed, and, you know, they're having fun and definitely not smoking marijuana or drinking. And I walked my way all the way back to my friend's house, looking and stuff, combing through it, couldn't find Meanwhile, it. Meanwhile, we're still partying. Yeah. We're like, well, whatever, man. He lost yeah. his ring. Big deal. Couldn't find it. And I'm like, well, I guess that's just the way it is. So I come back. I hang out. Three hours later, we're walking back to the house where we had started from. And you, out of nowhere, look down and you're like, oh, there it is. And just pick it up. And, and let me tell you. It. Like that ring, the way I remember it, that ring was buried in snow. It was. It wasn't even something I really saw as something I felt. I mean, it, I just looked down and I'm like, I, I reached, I just remember reaching down and, and picking it up and just be like, here, yeah, here's was- your ring. And you were, and you were distraught. I remember you being in emotional distress well, over this thing. Cause honestly, like outside of, of my car, it was one of the biggest purchases I'd ever made in my life. You right. know what I mean? Like this is, you know, I was, I was a kid and that was a lot of money and I'd saved up. I got it to look really dope. I had a dragon on one side. It was, <laughs> oh, it was so awesome, man. And, and I was like, man, I want to have that ring. Cause you know, that's like my mom still has her class ring. Right. So, so and, I'm, I'm not a miracle yeah. worker, man. I mean, that doesn't rise to the level of, you know, Pope John Paul healing, healing someone from, well, from Parkinson's. I'll right? give it to you. I, I thought it was pretty amazing, but fair enough. I mean, it's not like we deviated from core. I mean, we walked over the exact same ground that right. we walked over to begin with. Okay. Right. Now, what if we up the ante just a little bit, just a little bit. So, all right. Uh, this happened, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, we decide I got a wild hair in my ass. I had a little extra money from a, from a good job, uh, to go, let's just take off to Florida. I had a couple buddies. They decided, Hey, I'll come with you. I told them I'd pay for the trip. 
They quit their jobs and, and we take off. And Who don't love a spontaneous beach trip? Middle of the night. I'm talking, you know, midnight. We decide to take off driving. And I'm like, well, I'm going to need to stay up. So I get some five-hour energy breath spray. And I'm <laughs> taking five sprays every 20, 30 minutes. You know, we're going to Florida, baby. Is Let's that, go. Is that the directed use for that? Five uh, sprays every 20 minutes? I'm sure, minutes? yeah. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and I tell you, the whole way down was white-knuckled. It poured raining i mean like worst rainstorm i've ever seen in my life there's the people in the car are screaming at me and there's like there's like five trucks i can see ahead of me just barely through the rain and i'm like i gotta pass them because they're breaking and acting all crazy i'm like i gotta get around them i got i'm going guys (laughs) and i hit the gas turns out there's like 20 trucks in a row and i we're like you know the wind is blowing the car around we're in a big old crown vic so the wind yeah. hits it real good everyone in the car is yeah. like screaming bloody murder anyway we yeah, make every it, time there's a gust you think the car is flipping over we, we make it to florida safe we wake up the next day and i go out of the hotel room in with with no shoes on cuz you know i'm a kentucky boy and surely it's fine no i yeah, burn you're pretty big on not wearing shoes i burn the bottoms of my feet and I'm like, oh, I got this fine. We'll just walk to the beach. It's not that far. So by the time we get to the beach, man, I got blisters, three inch long, you know, inch thick, huge puffy blisters <laughs> on my feet. It's awful. They've popped already. So I'm like, well, fuck it. We're here. I'm getting in the ocean. I'm not going to let this ruin. And I got to say, copious amounts of tequila um, <laughs> had already been had at the hotel. So so anyway. So tell me about them blisters in the salt water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> buddy. Not fun. Uh, not fun, but I was determined to have fun. So I get down in the ocean and first things first, you know, a big wave is coming and I dive headfirst into the wave. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know me, I wear glasses and I am absolutely blind as a freaking bat like without my glasses. Now, another part of this story that, that snaps it all into focus. One of the friends that was with me is absolutely terrified of cars. He is terrified of highways. He's terrified of driving with people. Um, he's very particular about who he'll drive with. He must be in the passenger seat. Um, he will grab the sides of the car. You know, he'll grab the seat if he feels like any, it's yeah. awful. So I come up out of the ocean with no glasses on my face and I'm like, <laughs> Guys, I just uh, lost my glasses. Add insult to injury. Burns on my feet. Blisters burning. From, now I've got no glasses. Great. And and the buddy that is with me starts flipping the fuck out. He's like, no way is he driving home. No way is she driving home. This is not happening. You are the only person I trust to drive this car back, which is absurd because on the <laughs> way down, I'm like busting vitamin B, caffeine, guarana, ginseng shit down my throat. You know, like white knuckled past. I have I have rode in a car with you and I cannot imagine the situation where I would be like, you're the only one that could drive me home. <laughs> well, I'm a lot better now than I was back then, but I digress. So anyway, this This guy looks at me and he says, looks me dead in the eye, and he said, this is not happening. And and, and this is two minutes after my glasses have been washed off into the ocean. We're standing there. He comes over and stands next to me. He reaches his hand down into the water and pulls my glasses out like the freaking sword on Link. (laughs) Da-da-da-da! You know what I'm saying? And then he had no question. It was the weirdest thing. Like, he had no question whether this was going to happen or not. In the ocean. It's not like he was fishing down there. You know, he didn't dive down and look and open his eyes. He just said, this is not happening. 
reaches his hands down and pulls my glasses out of the ocean. And and I tell you, it made the trip. You know, I was flabbergasted. I sat yeah. at the hotel and I got so hammered I couldn't I couldn't think about my feet anymore. No, you lose something in the ocean. If it don't float, it's gone. Oh, I mean, that's bro. Just the and, way it is. And I'm telling you, the waves were big. This wasn't like piddly, you know, piddly yeah. small waves. They were coming in, they were crashing. This was to me. This is like outside the realm of normalcy. And you got to ask yourself, like, what are the odds? And the way I see it, it didn't matter the odds. His will to get home in a way that he perceived safe overrode whatever odds were happening there. And I don't know if he asked the universe. I don't know if he asked God. But you got to think, people win the lottery. Sure, it happens. But this to me was outrageous. Well, I think I think that's something. I, I think that's kind of what we're getting at. Is like, what what do you call those things? Because there are times, and I think there's a lot of people who have who have experienced them in their life, where where you desire something, or you need something, or you want something so strongly, and it's like you just will it into existence, mm. right? So so no, it doesn't always have to be, uh, you know, Daniel holding off the lions or some supernatural thing to be something special. That's a little. It's odd, man. You lost something in the damn Atlantic Ocean, <laughs> and my man just went in and got it because he had to have it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's amazing. And I mean, I, I know it doesn't traditionally fit what some people would say is a miracle, and I'm not saying that, you know, that that right there in and of itself is is the bedrock, and you can form a whole faith around it. Oh, no, of there's other not. things, you know. But little things like that, I think we take them for granted when, in my opinion, they're pretty miraculous. And that's to say nothing of when it gets even more direct than that. So this next story is uh, is pretty personal to me, uh, and I've never told it in as much detail as I'm going to tell it here. Uh, and there's a good chance that I'm going to go to pieces uh, during certain parts of it. It was hard enough for me to like take notes and actually write this down. Um, some of the memories are pretty traumatic, so I'm asking you guys to bear with me. We may even have to stop the recording at times for me to collect myself and come back to it. Um, it's all good, man. I'm going to be right here with you, cracking jokes and making fun of you the entire time. (laughs) All right. So anyway, uh, the story starts, I'm, I'm a 14, 15 year old kid and, uh, I was a pretty bad kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Skipping school and, and, and drugs and all that. And, my parents decided to send me on one of those outward bound trips. Uh, and the idea was that we do team building exercises and get to know each other um, and do sweat lodging and, and, and a fast and then go on this long hike, you know, to wow, find that's, ourselves. That's sweat lodges and stuff. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. it was, it was pretty cool. Um, so it turns out all the other kids were bad too. Um, <laughs> there was a kid, I remember one of the kids had, had his Adderall prescription and he kept trying to get everyone to snort Adderall with him <laughs> and, uh, heck there was a, a, a father and a daughter. One of the fathers was a guide and, uh, they had brought ecstasy. Apparently they were really involved in the rave scene out West and they, they had planned to eat ecstasy, you know, out in the woods and, and have a gay old time. One of the kids, wait a minute, wait a minute. there was a father and daughter who were taking ecstasy together and going to, is this an episode of game of Thrones? I know, man. I, know, what no, is that? I don't think there was any incest going on, but it, it was still, it was wild, right? This was a place 
for for us to go and and kind of like find ourselves and I and I felt like from the outset like oh this is going to be a great trip you know yeah no it's <laughs> one almost... of the kids had a pack of Nat Sherman's I'd never smoked ten dollar a pack cigarettes of course now all the cigarettes are ten dollars a pack but back yeah. then and they were great I loved them no this sounds this almost sounds like one of those Disney movies where they take you know all the rough around the edges kids and put them together and the, and they learn something along the way you know what <laughs> right, I mean yeah, right yeah. and and we did I think we all we all ended up learning something along the way, but the, the story really starts, um, in, in the sweat lodge. And this dude running the show was this really big, uh, native American guy. You totally reminded me of the, the, the chief from one who flew over the cuckoo's nest, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, the strong silent guy in the yeah. background. Um, so you know, I don't know if you know anything about a sweat lodge, but essentially it's built out of sticks and it's covered with furs and, and yada yada to you know insulate it. You mm-hmm. have a big pit in the middle with really hot rocks and you pour like herb water on it and it's and it's like a like a sauna, right. like a really hot sauna. And uh, through this sweat lodge, he starts he starts telling us this this story about. Uh, how he used to be, you know, a terrible person, and they used to feed girls giant lines of cocaine. You know, he holds his fingers up like rails this big, rails that would kill a man. You know, all of us, we were used to doing that much cocaine, but we'd just feed it to these young girls. You know, and I think he was like, yeah, in retrospect, I mean, is, is there a moral to the story, or was he just like bragging? I, I mean, know, he- right? In retrospect, I think he was trying to get us to open up, right? Because the idea behind this is to is to you know through pain and suffering to to release and 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 to confess mm. and to try. And, and I ended up doing exactly that. You know, I remember blubbering for fifteen minutes about about you know my dad and how I was mad at him and all this stuff. And everyone went around the circle and and told their stories and yeah. and yada yada. And I just I remember being in there. And just not wanting to leave, you know, because it yeah. it felt good. It was great. It was. It was that release. It was that, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, catharsis, yeah, almost. Right, you know. Right. Yeah. Um. So so anyway, sweat lodge ends, and I crawl out of this tent, and everyone else had already left and gone to bed, and I say goodbye to uh to John Jack, and he goes off you know, wherever he goes, the guides, they were a couple. It was really weird. Uh, Dave and Darcy, they went off to Dave their tent. and Darcy, Dave and Darcy. Dave and Darcy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, so, so I am left, uh, sitting at a fire, which I had actually started with my own two hands. Thank you, Dave and Darcy for teaching me that because, uh, you know, prior to that point, I would never believe it was possible to start a fire with like two sticks. Is that what you, you did it but with the two sticks? They and taught us how to start a fire oh, with two sticks, and I stuck at it until I had embers going. And and one of the guys used a bow drill. You know that was yeah. pretty easy. But yeah, legit with my hands and two sticks started a fire. Um, so Jeremiah anyway, Johnson over in this piece, right? Right. So I am I'm kind of like reflecting on my life uh, by myself at this fire, and all of a sudden I see a figure kind of shamble up, and I'm kind of like on edge. I'm like the fuck. And this guy approaches the fire and I see him come into the light and he's wearing head to toe furs, like Daniel Boone style fur hat, fur vest, you know, fur sticking out of his boots. And he just kind of sidles up to the fire and starts talking to me. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm Larry. And I'm like, well, how you doing, Larry? <laughs> hey, it's like, Larry. yeah. So he busts out uh, a frying pan, you know, yeah. a cast iron frying pan. And starts frying up some sausage. He's like, got, got some beaver sausage here. You you hungry? You want some? And I'm like, beaver sausage? He's like, yeah, I trapped it last night. 
<laughs> so I'm like, going, and at this point, you're sure they didn't give you anything while you were in the sweat lodge? <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. relatively sure. <laughs> I and mean, I did not partake of the Adderall either. Um, but so so we start talking, and and Larry is a really cool guy. He 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 doesn't like society. He doesn't fit in with society. He tells me about this library of books he's got that are all but banned and and hard to get. This is the guy that told me about the hydrogen engine 20 years before you know we had hydrogen engines on the market and he told me this story about this guy who had the plans and had a running hydrogen engine in his in his garage and the CIA came and took the plans and he was found with his head cut off the next day and I'm thinking this is all this is nuts you know what I mean, so so this guy had nothing to do with the trip he, he just he was just he, he lived in the valley there. yeah he wow. was just a guy that lived in the valley i mean i guess he knew the guides or whatever and he knew we were going to be there yeah um in retrospect I, I learned that but uh no he was not in any official capacity <laughs> supposed to be involved with this thing so we're we're sitting there and we're having a, a grand old time he tells me about oh we talked about meth recipes i just all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff. Fifteen year old me was was mind blown, but this dude was was amazing. And I bet your mom and dad signed an ironclad <laughs> waiver, dude. Oh, they had to have. They had to have. So so towards the end of our conversation, you know, he he pulls a joint out from his pocket and lights up a joint, and I'm hey, let me you know let me hit that. So we smoke yeah. a joint and we you know we finish out the night. And as he is going, I'm like, hey hey Larry, you gonna you sell me a dime, bub? <laughs> And I had to press him a little bit. He's like, well, I don't know about that. You know, I'll smoke with you. are a little young, though. And I don't know. I'm like, Larry, I got this. No problem. Just look. Here, take the money. So he gives me this little, you know, sack of gorgeous fucking. He probably grew it up in the mountains. I don't know. Beautiful, delicious weed. And and that, that carried me through. Larry's a, like a, a, a superhero to a 15-year-old, man. Oh, I know. It was, it was great. And. Things only start to go downhill from that point. Mm. Um, well, there's a little bit of an, an upshoot. So the next day, um, we had our three-day fast coming. Uh, and we had tied uh, little prayer bundles of tobacco to a string that we were supposed to wrap around our area and we're supposed to you know, not eat. Um, we had you know, water to drink. Eric taught me how to make nettle tea. It was awesome. So I was collecting nettles from my little mm. area and soaking them in my water bottle so I had some nettle tea to drink. Um, what does and, it taste like? I've never had nettle tea. Oh, uh, it's kind of like sweet. It's just like a kind of Swedish mild tea. It's it's like, really what about like a Swedish, like sweet like, sweetish <laughs> sweetish okay, okay. Uh, mild tea. It's pretty pretty tasty stuff. It it got me through. Um, but uh, you know we're supposed to be meditating and stuff, and I, I wasn't I wasn't meditating. It was in, entirely what? too boring. Yeah, well, it was like three days long, right? Yeah, well, I did. If you what, weren't meditating, what were you? Doing? I did what any fifteen year old kid would do for three days alone in the forest. I masturbated <laughs> almost the whole time. And Dave, I know you said you were going to come and check on us and make sure we were safe. Um, <laughs> I hope I didn't scar you for life, but I didn't care. I was fifteen. These were newfound superpowers, and I had three days alone by myself uh so anyway that was a high point of the trip um <laughs> i don't know why i'm telling you guys this this is ludicrous anyway i think i gotta rewind here um to talk about my preparation or lack thereof on this trip because like i said it was this it was this team building exercise the sweat lodging um uh, the fast and you know the three-day vision quest and then it culminated in this five-day hike up the Cascade Mountains. And yeah. I'm not talking like a, you know, a little jaunt in, in the woods. I'm talking like ice picks, uh, <laughs> day in, day out hiking, camping. We've got, 
you know, iodine for our water because there's no water sources up there. Right. We are going to be out in it. So I was a, I was a kind of big kid. I was out of shape. Um, I definitely was not prepared. And they warned us. They said, you got to be able to do this five day hike if you want to come along. So, you know, so you started, you started a regimen of like, you know, running laps and like, you know, no, working with a pack you, on. You'd and... think I would No, <laughs> one day I got my father to bring me out to a nature preserve in the middle of the summer. Uh, and he dropped me off and I was going to stay out there for, you know, five, six hours to see if I could hang and learn yeah. how to hang. I didn't bring any water and, <laughs> and thanks dad. You didn't go, Hey, you might want to bring some water if you're going to be out in the woods in 90 degree weather. Hey, boy, he'll figure day. it out. I almost died that day in Raven <laughs> Run. I remember crawling on a trail and and saw some people and was like, "Water, yeah. water, please!" And they gave me some water. So clearly, you were you were in peak condition. I was in to peak go on this physical condition, and and not only that, um, but I remember shopping for boots, and we were not very wealthy at the time. And God bless my mother; I love her to death, but she was always worried about money. <laughs> I ended up getting the cheapest boots I could I could find. I got a World War II camo green backpack <laughs> with the metal frame, um, you know, for 20 bucks from <laughs> stuff down the way from the military surplus. Hey, it was store. good enough for our boys in Normandy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I felt like I was outfitted. Thanks mom for that. Um, I'll never forget it. Love you anyway. And then, you know, they had a list of things not to wear. Do not wear cotton. Wear things that wick away water and dry fast. No jeans. And I'm packing my bags and my mom's going, Dude, it says no jeans right here. It says no cotton. <laughs> I packed all cotton, all cotton socks, three pairs of jeans, you know, five T-shirts. I'm like, Mom, it's fine. I got this. Thanks, me. <laughs> In retrospect, we all kind of fucked up along the way. Um, anyway, so begins this long and arduous journey with my World War II pack. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm fresh off of fucking 28 rounds of masturbation and nothing but... <laughs> Nothing but nettle tea for three days. I am rearing, Feeling refreshed, rearing to go up this mountain. And I tell you what, day one was absolutely beautiful. If you've never been uh, to the mountain, the Cascade Mountains out west, uh, redwood trees are fucking amazing. I have a photo of me standing on the first day next to a giant redwood tree that just absolutely dwarfs me. Of course, you can't even see where the branches begin. Yeah. Um, and it's way back. And, and I'm smiling. And it's probably one of the only pictures I have from my teenage years mm -hmm. where I don't have a giant scar on my face. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one of the happiest pictures I remember myself being in. Um, day two, things started to get a little bit rougher in that picture. You can see my jeans were soaking wet and they were rolled up. Well, the next day my jeans didn't dry. <laughs> you know, the mountain air is, is pretty humid. So they, they stayed wet and I'm on my second pair. I've got one, one pair oh, left. Oh man, you're, you're chafing and, and shit. And oh. I pack up these heavy ass wet jeans back into my world war two pack, which <laughs> yeah. is even heavier now. And I am, I am huffing and puffing. You know, it was it was nice. I got to sneak off and 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 puff my weed with Eric, and that was cool. Thanks, Eric, for being a buddy. Um, but it started to get a little bit miserable. And towards the end of the day, we start gaining elevation, and the landscape yeah. is now turning to ice, and it's getting cold. So I'm cold, and I'm wet, <laughs> and I'm out of shape. 
and my pack is starting to dig into my back because there's no padding on these these things. We didn't we didn't pay Normandy. We didn't pay for padding on the backpacks. <laughs> yeah. who, who gives a shit? You so know? this is this is the point where you're like, I should have went to Raven Run at least a second day. At least a second day, <laughs> yeah. and I should have I should have packed <laughs> like they suggested. And and look, it it wasn't just me. Morale in the group at this point. Um, is kind of starting to break down. You remember daddy daughter with the ecstasy <laughs> yeah. that I told you about? Well, she was ready to go home. And I don't know, they must have had a bad trip or something <laughs> because she decides that uh, this is not a place for a princess. And she decides that I am going home and there's nothing, and there's arguments and fighting. And, and he leaves with his daughter. They turn around and start walking back down. So, Damn, it, so they just dipped, right? They the just, they just dipped. She, she can't handle it. Can't do it anymore. Uh, I was feeling her, you know, I'm the yeah. same way. <laughs> so we had this conversation at that point, like, eh, this is, this is the only, this is the only people that can leave. He was one of the guides uh, that was legally required to be there. And we now had the maximum group of kids that they could have with two guides. One of the guides was giving ecstasy to their daughter on this trip for wayward children. Statute of limitations, man. Okay. Statute right. of limitations. Anyway. Sure. Um, yes. Uh, so we had this conversation like, no, no one else can really leave or you're screwing it for everyone else. You know, we're going to have to take half of these people home with you. And I'm like fucking kicking rocks over here. I'm, 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 I'm kind of upset cause I want to go home too. Um, but after all, what's, what's this all about? It's about attrition. Uh, it's about healing through pain. This is perseverance gain through hardship, right? Uh, yeah. no fucking horse hockey. I should have turned back right there <laughs> because let me tell you, big things are coming. Big life changing things are coming straight down that mountain and, and me, me with them, <laughs> yeah. man. So Day three starts with a crash course in how we are going to ascend this mountain pass in front of us, which is covered with ice. And, you know, like I mentioned, we had our ice picks. So we had a ropes crash course and carabiners and, and harnesses. And, you know, how are we going to do this? Hold on to your pick. Don't let go of the rope. Yada, yada, yada. And so hang on, hang on. You got to, you got to, you got to clue me and the audience in here. Are we talking about like you're going up? A, a narrow trail or pass or something. So you've got the hook because, you know, you might need to dig into the wall and stuff. Or are you guys like walking on rope lines, like cliffhanger style on kind the side of, a of the Kind of a combination of both. I mean? Kind of a combination. And, of and both. it's just where like the grade's too steep. To yeah. Like great. You're yeah. going to, you're going to slip. If you know, if you're going to slip, you hook your, hook your pick in, you use the rope and you inch up and you hook your pick in, you use the rope and you inch up yeah, and yeah. You hook your pick in you know, and, and, and that and is, that is serious shit. Rinse and repeat. You, you, you probably should have spent five days at Raven. Run well, to tell you the truth. Well, let me tell you something at that point. Like I thought I was miserable the day before, but this is like way worse. And I literally want to die. Being dead is a better option to me at this point in my life than trying to climb up this icy ass mountain pass. And I'm halfway up. And I remember swinging my ice pick and holding the rope and kind of like straining to pull myself up, and I just let go, like on, on purpose. Just, just let go. Um, yeah. Well, it wasn't that bad. I was being a drama queen. The the grade wasn't too sleet, steep. I, I slid down like a penguin, you know, forty fifty feet, and I laid there like a little bitch <laughs> until Dave climbed down and helped me climb up. He was determined 
to to get me through this. And and he became he became my guide. He yeah. became my guy at that point. He realized if we are going to continue this trip, I've got to get this kid going. No one else is going to do it. Yeah. And I tell you, at this point. I was not the most popular guy. My weed was gone. For one, me and Eric had smoked all the weed. Um, for two, I was kind of a, a whiny kid and I was out of shape and no one else was. They were all in shape and they were yeah. ready to rock. You know, old princess was already gone. She was dead weight. We'd cut her loose. Yeah. They were like, yeah, let's get this party started. Well, and then now it's, now it's just you. So what, I mean, like how did, was it, did you like build a rapport with Dave and that's what got you to like get up and keep going? Or I mean, was it, I mean, what, how did, how did he get you moving again? <laughs> I mean, he just, he just did. He's just, come yeah. on, come on. I got you. I, yeah. I remember him pulling me and tugging me and, and coaxing me yeah. um, and talking to me. And after that, after we got over that pass, I remember just being completely defeated. Like, like I'm not a 14, 15 year old teenager anymore. I am now a little kid. I'm ready to cry. I'm ready. I want my mom you know, mm -hmm. I want to go home. My boots have never dried. My clothes are all soaked. Everything. Uh, my pack is heavy as shit. The water tastes like iodine, even when you put the vitamin C in it that's <laughs> supposed to like neutralize it and make it taste okay. No, the food is horrible. I'm fat. I'm out of shape. Uh, it's 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 awful. But I'm I'm making progress, right. and I'm making progress very very slowly. <laughs> um, I remember we passed a trail crew. Uh, that day and they were cutting a big tree that had fallen in the path um, and they were they were the only people we'd seen since we left out on this hike you know three mm -hmm. days ago um, hadn't seen a single face and, and I must have looked like an absolute wreck passing those those dudes just wet and soggy sopping you know this giant green camo <laughs> pack you know kind of like being dragged with me as i'm taking maybe 25 steps a minute if i'm lucky and and dave man champ just keeps stopping ahead of me and waiting for me to catch up he never goes far enough that i can't see him yeah. and he stops and sits down and i fucking plod my way along and i stop and i sit with him and breathe oh, for man. a minute and then we get up and we go again and this is you know day a day 12 hours 10 hours wow. i don't know how many hours uh, yeah, I, I, Dave sounds like the real MVP at this Dave, point. <laughs> Dave, let me tell you, Dave is the MVP, and it's getting towards the end of the day, man, and we come across the switchbacks, and I don't know if you know what a switchback is, but a switchback is when it starts to get real. I mean, we're climbing a mountain, and these are these are trails. Sure, there's might be a 20% grade you're going up. When it comes time to go up, up a mountain, yeah. You're going up 10 feet over the course of, you know, 200 feet. So you go up 10 switchbacks that go back and forth up the mountain and you look down and you've only climbed 30 feet of mountain. Mm. And this has just hit little old me <laughs> right in the heart. I've climbed for an hour and I can look down and see where I was, yeah, yeah. you know, climb, climbing up these switchbacks. Um, and it's times like this that a man tends to get religious. Right. I have to say uh, and I've only prayed twice in my life prior to this point, uh, coat closet in fourth grade, uh, for my cat in sixth grade. And I'm figuring third time's the charm. Yeah. Well, no, hang on, hang on. 
What happened in the coat closet? <laughs> I mean, you can't ass. you can't just say coat closet cat. And this is the third time. No. What All right. Are, what, so what? so fourth grade, I had told the entire class that I was an atheist, probably because I liked the attention. I didn't know much about God at the point. I wasn't raised in a religious family, so I figured it sounded good, and it was shocking. Um, Super cool. Probably, <laughs> probably got like a sweet girlfriend because you were the bag. I sure didn't. I got made <laughs> fun of, and it was actually kind of kind of traumatic. Anyway. I remember being in the coat closet in fourth grade and and saying in my head, if there is a God out there, would you want me to believe in you without any evidence? And like I got this immediate booming voice back in my head like, no, hmm? absolutely not. And, you know, psychosomatic, whatever, you mental, you know, it's probably my own head talking to me. But fourth grade year old, fourth, fourth grade me was like, cool. Well, you asked and you got an answer. Right. And I, I mean, got an answer. Yeah. Sure. Uh, my cat, I moved in, I think it was fifth grade to a new neighborhood. Uh, and my cat took off, just absolutely disappeared. I loved this cat. Uh, this is the cat that lost its eye. And I woke up with the flu delusional with the cat with his eye hanging out bloody, you know, and, 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 and then we had a one-eyed cat from then on and I, and I absolutely loved him. It what, was, a, what a heartwarming story. <laughs> it was devastating to lose that cat. And I remember after a week, realizing like, holy shit, this cat is gone. And what am I going to do? I love this cat. So I closed my eyes and I asked the universe to bring my cat back. And I woke up in the morning to that one-eyed cat purring on my chest. Yeah. Um. So, you know, third well, time's the charm, right? Again, like, you know, cats are known to wander off and everything. But again, you asked and you got an answer. Sure. Absolutely. Um. This time was a little bit different and I can still remember those words in my head, like to this day. Uh, it went a little like this, like dear God or any higher power out there that can hear me, whatever your name is. If you're listening, I've never been seriously injured. I've never broken a bone, but if that's what it takes, like, please get me off this mountain. I, I can't, I can't handle it. And I proceeded to like completely break down all the horrible things that I'd done in my life. This is like the point of the trip happening at this point, you know. Uh, I lied to dear sweet Becky, I'm so sorry, that my best friend had killed himself just so she'd let me lay my head on her chest. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 terrible. I, I lied to my friends about just about anything to get attention. Uh, I acted like a complete brat to my parents. I've stolen hundreds of black and milds from, from Kroger, uh, the Tommy cologne. I've screamed horrible things at my mom. And then, you know, I like pulled, in every way a 15 year old can, you are coming clean at this point. Yeah, yeah. You know, I pulled that knife on my dad the day he called the cops on me and, and got me arrested. And I, I was, so yeah, I was, I was deep in it, man. And I apologized and, I made a deal. I uh, said, if you just get me off here, I, I don't care how. I don't care if I break a bone. I don't care if I'm in the hospital. Uh, I'll change and I'll even get in shape and I'll stay in shape. And I remember clearly promising that I would never let myself get so bad that I couldn't climb this mountain again. Um, and like any good story, I guess it gets worse before it gets better. Uh, so as Dave and I approach yet another set of switchbacks, it starts to rain. And I mean heavy rain, big rain. It is pouring down cats and dogs. Um, 
And after another hour or so of back and forth on these goddamn switchbacks in the rain, uh, the trail starts to flatten for a bit, and there they are. We finally caught up with the group. Uh, they'd been waiting for us, and uh, they explain that it, we're now just below the tree line, and if you're the tallest thing on the mountain when a storm is there, you're liable to get hit by lightning. So we got to take it easy here and wait for the storm to pass. Then we'll find a place to camp, and we'll hike on up to the peak tomorrow, and then we'll take our day back down to the nearest trailhead. So, whew. Yeah, I, I wish I could say that I was relieved to take off that giant metal-framed green heavy World War II pack and cop a squat, but just as my ass hit the ground, I hear Dave yell, rock. And we'd been briefed on this. You see a rock, you say rock, you move out of the way, and... As I hear rock, my head spins to the mountainside above me to, to catch a glimpse of a boulder bouncing down the mountain. And when I say boulder, I want you guys to hold out your hands in front of you and make a hoop. Now slide your hands over top of each other uh, till your fingers are touching your wrists. Uh, that's, that's the size of this boulder and every bit as, as thick. Um, I see it hit the ground and it it spins like a dice in the air. It's wobbling and and spinning and and it's in slow motion and it it bounces again. Uh, And I'm like halfway up from Indian style to, to, to get out of the way. And it hits me on my right hip. And, and there's, there's no way. I mean, we're, we're shoulder to shoulder on the side of this mountain. Like we're all sitting in a line. Um, there's, there's no way, but this is, this is the hand of God and, and, and God is bowling strikes, man. And the five pin can't just jump up and, and get out of the way. Right. So uh, the boulder flies down the mountain and I fly with it. Um, my feet are over my head and my face hits the ground and I'm, and I'm sliding on my face. And I remember plants breaking as I'm, as I'm sliding, you know, 60 feet down um, I remember dirt in my nose, the smell of, of the dirt. You know, when I, when I come to a stop, finally, I try to stand up after this boulder, which, which has the force of the earth behind it, has now returned that force through me back into the ground. And, and Dave screams, stop, no. And I hear him crash down the mountain behind me and he lays on top of me. And, and it's, and it's, and it's black. And then I come back to, and I go back out and I come back to, and, and Dave is asking who's the fastest runner who, who can run. This is before cell phones. No one's got a cell phone. We don't have a radio. You know, I'm sure they planned for this. I I didn't plan for this. Who can, (laughs) who can plan for this? And Eric says, I, I got this. And Dave says, Run, we, we passed a trail crew. Maybe they've got a radio. Fast as you can. If they don't, keep running. This is where the trailhead is. It's a couple miles to a major road. Stop a car. Ask for help. You know, get get someone here. And I'm listening to Dave, and, and, and he's just the calmest voice of reason that I've ever heard. And, and I breathe, but just, just barely. I'm just 
just barely breathing. I'm falling in and out of consciousness and rain is falling. Uh, and then, and then I come back to, and I hear horses, fuck horses. And I, and I hear saws like chainsaws. And I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? You didn't expect that. <laughs> I didn't expect that. And then there's this classic moment of like good news and bad news. And, and Dave tells me the good news is that Eric made it to the trail crew and the trail crew had a radio. The bad news is that the chopper that they sent couldn't find us. The storm had come in. The cloud cover was too thick. They had no idea where we were. So they sent a team of, of, of rescue people, emergency rescue people, volunteers on horses to come cut down trees. So they're making us. like a landing site for you know, to try right, to come get you. To try to come get me. Um, and there's a short period of time here where my memory is completely dark. You know, there's no in and out anymore. There's no raindrops. There's, there's no dirt in my nose. There's no saws and there's no horses. And then all of a sudden I, I open my eyes and there she is. There's a woman, she's 28 to 30. She's got short, short cropped dark hair and she's pumping a needle into an IV that is presumably attached to me. Um, she says something like super cliche, like thought I lost you there for a minute, bub. And she goes on to explain that she is a medic with the CIA and Hey, you hear that helicopter up there in the sky? Like that's a black Hawk. They had to call in the big boys for you today. Like our infrared came in handy, man. And she's like talking they, up a they, storm. They actually had to call in the CIA to get a helicopter. They there called in to get a you. black Hawk helicopter. Jesus Christ. From the CIA, and she she tells me that I'm lucky that these guys got here when they did, and and they cleared the trees because when she dropped out of that helicopter from a rope, she thought she was looking at a dead kid. Um, straight up, I wasn't breathing, I had no pulse. Um, but she says, you know, she's seen it happen before. Fluids, you follow the protocol, you do it by the book, and you know, now here we are. And she says, I'm I'm going to give you this drug, and you're not going to remember any of this. You'll still feel the pain but it's going to interrupt the, the pathways in your brain that, that form memories. So you, you, you won't remember the trauma and we're going to load you on this stretcher. Uh, we're going to tie you and me to that rope and we're going to fly you to the hospital and you're going to be just fine. I promise. And dude, I'm to this day, I'm not sure if the memory I have of looking down over the Cascade mountains, like hanging from the bottom of a Black Hawk helicopter, if that's real or not, <laughs> but I tell you what, it was fucking beautiful, man. Well, no, that's what's, I mean, it's crazy to think that like that, that whole period of time, like where they're, they're lifting you up out of the woods and all that stuff. She's giving you these drugs. That person experienced something that had to be just awful. Cause what exactly, you know, not, not to skip too far ahead, but like, so the boulder hits you, but list off, like what all did it do? I mean, it, the hip was gone, right? I mean, yeah, just smashed so, the hip. So my, my right pelvis uh snapped in half so you know you've got two rings of your pelvis the right side snapped in half um when i flipped and hit on the other side uh the other side torqued so it had one snap in it it didn't snap clean in half that's even worse because you can't really reset a pelvic bone so it is forever you know snapped and, and torqued uh, i cracked six ribs one of those ribs punctured my spleen uh, my collarbone was broken um one of those plants that my face ripped out of the ground uh, cut me from the top of my face all the way down to my my left ankle. 
Um, so and yeah. is that that's where the scar came from? Yeah, that's where the, yeah, that's there? where yeah. this that's where the scar comes from. I'll, I'll wear it my my entire life. Um, so yeah, I was I was pretty fucked up, and not to mention I had no pulse and wasn't breathing uh, when she got there. So that was kind of kind of miraculous too. And I, honestly, like I I don't remember you know being wheeled into the hospital or anything like that. Um, I remember waking up a couple days later, and the whole group is there. You know, all these kids that were on the trip, uh, minus daddy and daughter, of course. Um, and, you know, their condolences and, and and we're talking and I've got this little red button. Every time I push it, I get a shot of morphine. And No, I, I remember that because I remember I remember talking to you on the phone while you were in the hospital and you'd be talking and, and you know, it's like, man, are you OK? Like, I heard you were trapped on the mountain for like 17 hours and you'd be like, yeah, no, no, I'm yeah. No, man, I'm cool. Man. I'm cool. You know, what I mean? and it was it was only every you know forty five minutes or something. It definitely wasn't enough, but uh, it did the trick. And and yeah, I was on the the mountain for seventeen hours. I think I recovered in that hospital for three months. Um, you know, I had to learn to walk again and stuff. But Darcy, after all these people leave, walks up to me in my hospital bed with a little baggie with weed crumbles in it. She looks me in the eye and she says, you know, I found this in your pocket. Um, we were, you know, we went through your pockets as you were laying there um, to get everything out of them. And, and I, I've got to know, did you bring this with you or did you get it here? Beaver sausage and father daughter ecstasy. And that's what she's worried about. Beep. <sighs> I ain't no fucking snitch. I brought that shit with me. And she says, okay. But she knows, and I know she knows, and I know why she knows, uh, because I'm sure she had a baggie exactly <laughs> like that from Mr. Larry herself. Um, but she she leaves me too, and you know, eventually I get a phone call from my girlfriend who breaks up with me because she fucked one of my other friends. Um, my mom shows up, you know, she that's a tough week. She cut out of her job to come spend months in the hospital for me while I while I recovered. And it's funny, it was it was 20 years later when I was showing a very dear friend the newspaper clipping um, of the incident when when I realized the significance of recovering for three months at at Providence Hospital. Like I'd never heard the word. Um, I didn't know the meaning of it, but but she did. And she let me know she's she's one of those church going God fearing types and. Uh, for all of you who don't know, uh, Google says providence means the protective care of God or of nature as a spiritual power. And, you know, recalling those words and, and my prayer uh, exactly as, as I spoke them, I think that about sums up my view of God or nature or whatever's out there that can hear me and had the power to help, you know. And I say to this day, like, please, please help. I'll, I'll still try to be better. Um, it's really all I can do, man. Man, that was, uh, no, that was, that was crazy. And I can't imagine what it was like to, to live through it. I remember, like I said, talking to you in the hospital. I remember, um, like when you, when you finally came home, you guys were like actually on the news. Uh, you know, your dad was like building a ramp so you could get it cause you were in a wheelchair. Yeah. I was in a wheelchair for, for another six yeah. months. Oh, that was huge, man. But once again, I mean, 
maybe, maybe, maybe not the way you wanted, but you asked and there was an answer, you know? So, yeah. I mean, what would you, what would you say? I think, I think somebody who is taking that as evidence of a higher power or, you know, being asked to, I think the first thing they would say is here's something incredibly traumatic that happened in your life and you're just trying to rationalize it. So <laughs> what would you like, what would you say to that? I'd probably flip it on them and I'd say, here is something that doesn't jive with, you know, the way we perceive the world working and science and, and, you know, human experience. And you're trying to rationalize that away yeah, because this happened, you know, yeah. and, and, and I asked and I, and I, it was not very long from the period of time where I asked to where that, that boulder hit. So, you know, I, I'd flip it right around on them. I, no. I don't. I completely agree. And I think to me, that's, that's at the essence. And I know we, you know, we talked beforehand, we don't want to get like real deep into the debate between, you know, atheist people and religious people and all that good stuff. But I think that that speaks right to one of my concerns with the way um, people interact with their atheism these days is I think that it leaves them with a tendency to overlook something like that because, Mm -hmm. because they're so quick to want to rationalize, you know, like I said, you know, finding glasses in the ocean, I'm sure there's somebody somewhere who can come up with some equation that tells us that if the moon was in this position, then of course he was going to well, find them. And people hit the lottery, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, as wide but, as the odds are. But when you have like when you have a moment like that and, and it's you have, have have spoken to the universe, you've asked whatever it is that's out there. And and to so quickly and to so rapidly receive an an answer just like that, yeah. Um, I think there is a component there that only you can understand, uh, having been the person who got hit by that boulder. And I think to completely dismiss that out of hand uh, is ludicrous because we don't know enough to know. Well, you know what I mean? And, and you have to ask yourself, like, what are the statistical chances? And I, and I got to say, there was another kid. Uh, on the mountain, I think it was Mount Baker, uh, across from us, that got hit on the same day by a boulder. Are you serious? And I, I'm serious. And and the snowpack was really heavy, yeah. um, so that dislodges rocks, and and mm-hmm. rocks are falling. Um, y- you know, when when you, you think you think the other kid was like a whoopsie, you think like you asked, <laughs> and God was like, you know, he's like smoking a blunt or something. He's like, I got the, oh, damn. he's like tossing Wrong a couple kid. down. Whoops. Well, I, I think you have to look at look at all the circumstances kind of adding up, right? So even if rocks are falling, um, you know, the chances that out of, out of nine kids in a row or six kids in a row, however many of us there were there that, you know, it hit me in the middle of this group, um, with such, with such precision, um, the, the timing of it, you know, everything adds up for, for that to be just some grand coincidence in, in a string of, of happenings, mm-hmm just seems just seems ludicrous to me. I yeah. I can't I can't accept that as the truth and and maybe that's fa- my failing and I, and I'll always admit that, you know, that that sure it is a chance that this is all just just coincidence, but um you know, you you go back to the cat and you go back to the coat closet and you go back to the glasses like are they all? Yeah. You know, yeah, are they right. all just coincidence? I I I don't think so. And 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 whether it speaks to you know, I'm I'm not certain whether it speaks to a god or whether it speaks to um, um, the way we create our realities, mm-hmm. um, this collective reality. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm not making any claims 
on that level. But what I do know is something that was very powerful that day heard me and, yeah. and gave me an answer. And, and, you know, maybe it was aliens. <laughs> maybe there was a UFO hovering and you know, the aliens guys. <laughs> aliens. Yeah. Maybe it was Bigfoot. You know, some people say Bigfoot's telepathic. Damn you. Uh, Bigfoot. Bigfoot right. telepathically heard me and he, and he pushed that thing down. He knew <laughs> it was going to bounce just so, you know, I, I, I don't know. No, but that's I, what I'm saying. I, I don't think any of it matters because you had an experience that forever, uh, you know, both physically, spiritually, mentally, you know, forever altered the course of your life. And, and whatever it means to you is whatever it means to you. And, and in my opinion, what it was meant to mean to you. And if somebody else wants to think that it's, you know, cold numbers and space dust bouncing back and forth, more power to them, but don't shit on this either. You know what I mean? Like that, that's all I'm saying. Speaking of shitting on this, um, it's the time oh. to hand it off to our fact checker. Oh, I'm sure he's just going to have a field day with this Beanzo, one. We'll see. Uh, Beanzo, go ahead and take it away, bud. <clears throat> All right, buddies, you ready to rock? I know I am. Got my notes, cracked open this fresh rolling rock, and I'm ready to knock this bad boy down. What was the problem this week, fellas? Didn't have an avalanche of ideas? Oh, my God. Found yourselves between a rock and a hard place? You just figured you'd string together some stories and get within a stone's throw of an hour? Did y'all plan this at another lunch I wasn't invited to? Maybe at the Hard Rock Cafe? Beans, are you really going to spend this entire segment doing rock puns? My bad, buddy. You're right. Guess I just got on a roll. Beans, man. By the way, that was a terrible Zelda melody from someone who actually climbed Death Mountain. Now you're just being an asshole, dude. Hey, at least we know why you never made it to the top. Theory, what's your excuse? Oh my god, dude! We ask you to perform a very simple and vital service on the podcast. You're not doing it today, man. Boulder Dash. Oh, I'm not even doing my Taylor Swift. 